Good morning. You doing well? I want to highlight two things. Uh, thank you, Pastor Jordan, for um, the opportunity. Uh, how many of you know the gospel is bigger than one church? The whole globe is there to reach. And I want to thank you for what you do. I heard about great things that's happening here regarding orphans, and that's huge. Uh, that really touches the heart of God. Uh, just two things that I want to highlight. Um, this coming December, January, I will be in Africa for the first time in two years because of COVID. And um, we have lost several family, family members. Um, and uh, the church is only now coming back to normal in Africa because they are behind. They are not as blessed as America. So um, uh, I'm not here to promote COVID or to promote a vaccine or not. Uh, I don't care whether you're back whether you have the shot or not, all I'm saying is Africa is struggling. And uh, so I will be there December, January. Then the other thing that I want to highlight is um, many of you know that we have had several upper room uh, conferences in the past where we've brought global leaders in and the Lord really exploded the whole thing uh, to the point that we got an invitation to go to Yonke Cho who only who passed away a few weeks ago. But two years ago, I had an invitation to go to Yonke Cho, 80,000 people in a stadium, 90,000 people going through six services on a Sunday to show us how they pray in South Korea. Uh, but now we are just about to launch the preparation for another upper room. We will have one in 2022, but then in 23, you say, well, why do you take so long? Well, here is the punchline. The aim is to bring in 193 nations into one room. There is only 193 nations in the world. Uh, I was on a call a few weeks ago, uh, and I had two leaders on the call. One was a strong leader in the Assemblies of God. Uh, I would say a mega church. And then the other leader was a very strong leader in the Church of God. And uh, there's more leaders that is involved, but we just spoke. And, and both of them said to me, Andre, the upper room is not on the agenda of the denominations. You see, because the upper room does not belong to a denomination. It belongs to the kingdom of God. I saw the words this, we sang this morning, Lord, we want your kingdom here. So, church, um, I have a letter that I looked at um, just when I was standing there. And I'm holding back on this letter now for several weeks. And it will probably go out tomorrow to about 15 global leaders and then it'll go out to all the pastors that has been in upper rooms. And the whole purpose is to bring apostolic leaders from all these nations. So 2023 is huge. Um, this could cost us probably $250,000 to $300,000. One of the leaders that we will bring in is from Nigeria, where you have one million people sitting under a roof sitting under a roof, one million. Did you hear that? Not in the open. Sitting under a roof, praying. So uh, the whole idea is to bring the generals of all these nations. 
There's 7.6 billion people in the world. Um, and there is New Testament, New Testament apostles in all these nations that influence millions. If you take the Apostle Paul out of the New Testament, you remove 27% of the New Testament. It's gone. Because that's the influence the Apostle Paul had in the New Testament. And just a little glimpse out of my letter that will go out. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and he was in a prison in Rome. Winter is coming, cold. He's on death row. He's going to die. He has walked the journey, and he wrote to Timothy, and he said, bring my cloak and bring my books, because he wants his cloak from Troas, and he said to Timothy these words. He said, Come before the winter. And the reason he said that is because Timothy had to travel from Turkey over the Mediterranean Sea to get to Paul. Timothy was a son of Paul. And Paul had a desire to see Timothy one more time before he passes. But he also wants his cloak because it's cold in the winter. He doesn't know when he's going to die. But the, the words that struck me is, come before the winter. Because Tim, uh, uh, Timothy would not be able to, to get on a ship in the winter. They, you cannot go into the Mediterranean Sea those days in the winter. You will, be, you, will, you will lose your ship. Go to Acts chapter 27. You will see it. And all I'm saying is, it's going well in America. The stock market is up. The real estate market is good. Uh, we're all doing well. But in the spiritual realm, we need to look further. And we need to say, before the winter comes, I'm not talking about a natural winter. Let us get our house in order for the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit ever. So pray, and this is what you're giving into. We trust the Lord that he will help us. Thank you, Pastor. Um, and I'm not going to say more about it, but 2023, 193 nations. Thank you. So we made a, um, a special place on the app, and if you give online, um, if you're using your phone, it says special gift, and that will allocate all those funds uh, to good news to the nation. So let's prepare our gift, and uh, we're just, again, so thankful for your tithes and offerings. I know so much of it um, is, is just committed to the Lord, and it just goes out through online banking, but I don't want to get away from what the Bible talks, talks about, uh, tithes and offerings, and that we send people across the world, across the world. Um, I don't know, have you guys, how many of you, raise your hand if you've been here in years past, when you've heard Pastor Andre talk about planting tent churches years ago, right? I mean, the impact of Pastor Andre has been unbelievable to the nations, and so we want to uh, just sow into that and, and bless his ministry, Amen. So would you close your eyes and let's just go to the Lord. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to give. Lord, it is our joy and our privilege, Lord, to give to good news to the nations and to the ministry of, of Andre Venzel. And God, we know that he touches so many leaders who then go back, God, and with, with a newfound fire of your presence, with a newfound uh, energy and excitement to serve your people. Lord, so his impact is exponential. Lord, so our gift right now 
is exponential. And so, God, we're, we thank you for this opportunity to give our tithes and our offerings to you in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Hey, we're going to do something we haven't done in a long time. We're going to pass the bucket, not the bucket. I always call it the bucket. It's not a bucket. What is it? A plate. Thank you. I'm going to pass the plate. So, um, yeah, just super thankful for Pastor Andre. And if you're doing a check, write to Rock of Grace. And that way we can give him one check. And uh, we always try to do that to make it easy for him. Amen? Well, Pastor Andre, as they're passing, come on back up. And we're excited to hear. Are you guys ready for your hearts to be? Is your heart open right now? Because I don't know about you, but one of the things I like to say at the beginning of a conference is, you know, the level to which we receive, guys, is absolutely connected to the level of your hunger, the level of how open you are, how open your heart is to receive. Amen? So one more time, let's welcome Andre Venzel. Yeah, it's awesome when you get older and you watch the younger generation and how they develop. Uh, I have saw Pastor Jordan many years ago, and uh, I thought the only thing he can do is play guitar. Well, I was so wrong, okay. He has become a general and a strong voice, uh, carry a lot of authority, and that's all good. Uh, pray for us this coming Thursday, 8 o'clock, I have a Zoom call with those two leaders that I just spoke about from the Assemblies of God, Church of God, and we're going to just discuss a, a certain aspect of this whole thing this coming Thursday, 8 o'clock. So I want you to uh, just pray for us. Thank you so much. I have several things I wanted to share about, but there's one word I cannot get away from, and it's a word that is very dear to my heart this whole entire year thus far. Uh, I will be dead honest with you while I will be alive honest with you, not dead honest. Uh, I don't want to be that honest. <laughs> that I've ministered on this word in a great church. Uh, it was in a, a Church of God church. African-American brother came to me and he said to me, please, you must bring this word to others. I said, well, actually he said, bring it to all the churches. I said, that's not possible. Uh, but I will definitely uh, bring it to more than one church because the Lord already spoke to me about it. And that was, and he actually confirmed to me what the Lord told to me. So how many of you know that the, the kingdom of God is a little bit bigger than Rock of Grace? So, and they also need to hear what God has to say. Amen. But I want to talk to you this morning about um, something that we cannot do without. And that is the touch of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know that anything we do that does not have the touch of God on it is just irrelevant? Uh, you can have a mega church of thousands if the touch of God is not on your meetings. You are not successful. We're living in a Western culture where success is considered success even if the Lord did not even ordain it. Uh, because we have our own understanding of success. But the church must go back to the real and authentic. And I, I just heard about a touch that happened here last week. And uh, when I heard about it from Pastor Jordan, and I just thought, say to myself, man, that's awesome. You see, the touch has nothing to do with me. The touch of God comes to every church if they're open. And um, I'm so glad it happened here last week. But this morning, I want you to go with me to a chapter, and I'm, I'm into Mark chapter 4 and 5 and 6 all the time. Um, and uh, all I want to do is watch Jesus. 
watch every move he makes. Many, many months ago, the Lord said to me, watch every move the Son of God made in the Scriptures. Every move that he makes is significant. Uh, Jesus never said a word that was not, that did not carry weight. Uh, and in Mark chapter 5, and uh, I want to talk about the woman who had the issue of blood. And I grew up in Pentecost. I heard so many sermons about this. Um, and you heard many sermons about this. And one of the things that you and I need to guard against is that when we know scriptures, we should not say, oh, well, I've heard that scripture before. I don't think I need this. Well, that's where you will make a huge mistake. Because the word of God has layers. And sometimes if you don't read it slowly, you will reach right over a revelation that could have revolutionized your whole life. And um, so I want you to be careful. In, in Mark chapter 5, we have the story of this woman who had the issue of blood. But we also have the story of Jairus who came to Jesus and said to Jesus, please come to my house. My little girl is at the point of death. And she was 12 years old. Struck me this morning that pastor's oldest daughter is 12 years old. Because I thought about this little girl 12 years old. She was at the point of death. So, so, so Jairus came to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, please come to my house. But now we're going to have a look at a woman who interrupted that whole visit. Because Jesus was on his way to the house of Jairus uh, in this chapter. But the woman who had the issue of blood had uh, a desperateness in her. And the desperateness in her delayed Jesus' visit to the house of Jairus, and she took her healing before the little girl could even be uh, resurrected from the dead. So it says there in verse 25, it says, Now a certain woman uh, had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians, and she had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but she rather grew worse. How many of you heard that before? If you haven't heard that before, you've never attended church. Because you would have heard that before. Amen? Well, according to what I just saw, nobody heard that before, which is unbelievable. I'm not sure Pastor Mark never preached on that. And I think Pastor Jordan must have touched on that already. So there we have a woman. It says there, a certain woman. A certain woman. It's just an unknown woman. Just a statistic. No name, no last name, no address, no social security number, nothing. Just a certain woman. Now, when we preach this, the story about this woman, we all know what's going to happen. How many of you know what's going to happen? She's going to be healed. And that is in verse 29. It says there the fountain of the, her blood dried up. But here is the problem. When we preach this, we always emphasize the physical healing. But I found something else in verse 34. Jesus spoke to this woman in verse 34, and he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. You see, we end this whole story in verse 29. When I fly from Atlanta to Pittsburgh to get here, the first thing I do is I double-check my ticket. It says Pittsburgh. I know what Pittsburgh Airport looked like, so when we're coming to land, I already know this is the right place where we're going to land. 
When we take off in this chapter, we will start in verse 25 that says, a certain woman. We have a choice this morning. We're going to land on verse 29, the physical healing, or the correct landing will be to land on the word daughter. Because unless we land on the word daughter, we're on the wrong flight. And I'm going to prove to you this morning that you are... You are, not com you are not complete as a person when God heals you physically. There's a greater healing that needs to come to all of us. So here we have a woman, a statistic, a certain woman. She had a flow of blood for 12 years. It doesn't say she had COVID and she was in her home for 15 months. It said she had an issue of blood, and she was isolated for 12 years. How many of you want to agree with me that COVID had an effect on us mentally? How many of you heard about people that were sitting in their homes and mentally uh, it must have had an effect on you? I mean, you know, I remember last year I was, I was 20 weeks at home. I couldn't travel. And every time I go and buy some groceries, I need to duck and dive the virus. And uh, when I'm finally back in my home, I feel relieved. And I thought to myself, what kind of world are we living in? Uh, when you sit down in the restaurant, there's no virus. When you stand up, there is a virus. Um, and uh, so this whole thing got into my mind, and I thought, my Lord, uh, we're living in a strange world. Uh, I've never heard about a virus that operate 12 feet high but not 6 feet low or something to that effect. I mean, I mean that was just my take on the whole thing. So, so I got confused even when, when my mask should be on and off. And uh, I had a horrible time. Amen. Uh, has anybody been affected? Uh, you never had the virus, but the virus got into your mind. Come on. Come on. Everybody say it got into my mind. This lady, 12 years, must have had... A mental problem. Remember, she was isolated from the community. She, there was a law written against her that she cannot uh, mix with people. So she was isolated for 12 years, not 15 months. I don't read anything there that there was a virus against that kind of problem or there was a vaccine against that kind of problem. She was isolated. The, the law was against her. She could not move around. In Leviticus, the Bible teaches us that people that had that kind of problem could not touch anything, then they need to clean it. Could not sit anywhere, then they need to clean it. And when I, when I saw that in Leviticus, I said, Lord, it sounds like COVID-19. Well, she, she, this lady, had it for 12 years. And I want you to think for a moment. What will you do if you are restricted to your home for 12 years, you will develop issues. So she must have had that. The other problem is that she must have believed that God is angry. Because the Jewish culture of those days would have made sure that she will understand God is angry with you. You know, I met Pentecostal people today that when they are sick, I will hear them say, oh, God must be angry with me. Or I must have sinned. That's not the truth. God don't hit you with sickness because he doesn't like something you do. 
If God needs to hit us with sickness because of things we don't do, then all of us should be crippled by now and sick and full of diseases, and 99% of us should have been dead by now. Aren't you glad that God does not operate that way? Because there's not a single perfect person in this church here today. If you are, I would love to get your business card. I will make a donation into your perfectness every month, not your ministry, your perfectness. Amen? I will make a donation. Amen? Thank you. So she must have grew worse. The Bible says, and the physicians treated her, watch this, knowing they cannot heal her. The physicians treated her knowing they could not heal her. That is horrible that you go to people that should help you, but they cannot help you. Mark, the gospel of Mark, is the only gospel that says they treated her knowing they cannot fix it. So why will you treat a poor woman knowing you cannot fix her problem? Why? Because she had money. We're living in a world where money drives the agenda. Come on. We're living in a world where they want our votes, they want our support, uh, they want us to give them something, but we, they never deliver. I'm not s telling you who that they are. You can guess whatever you want to guess. So I don't want to say anything too, too detailed because otherwise you will quote me and say, I said it. And I don't want you to say that I've said it, but I've said it. <laughs> you know, I've seen it even the last three years with my precious wife. We've seen it where the system that's supposed to be a blessing can become a system that wants you to come back all the time because there's more money involved. The Bible says she grew worse, and I, can, I, 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 I have a reason why I say that. So the Bible says she grew worse. Now, let me be clear. God loves the medical world because he had Luke on his team, and Luke was a medical doctor. That tells me that God is not against medical doctors, thank God, because I needed uh, uh, somebody uh, every now and then. Come on, you are, or are you so perfectly healthy that not one of you ever needed uh, the medical world? Come on, don't lie in church, it's not good. Okay, now, so the Bible says she grew worse. She grew worse. That's horrible. And it says in verse 27, this is where the turnaround comes. The Bible says, she heard. She heard. Something entered her ears. You see, your greatest miracle be begin the moment you hear. Come on. The moment your ears hear what I say, it's the beginning of your miracle. She heard about Jesus. It doesn't say she heard about a guest speaker. She heard about Jesus. Now, there's many Jesus sounds in America. There's many churches that are making sounds, and we all use the name of Jesus. Roman Catholics use the name of Jesus. Everybody used the name of Jesus. But we, we need to hear the authentic, non-polluted uh, sound that is pure and clean and divine. She did not hear about a religious Jesus. She, it says she heard about Jesus. 
And I pray that God will restore the sound of Jesus in America. Not the religious one, uh, not the Baptist one, not the Assemblies of God one, not the Church of God one. The New Testament authentic uh, uh, Jesus sound that is not polluted but by our thinking. Come on. So between all the noises, we need to hear the authentic sound again because that is the beginning of our greatest miracles. Hallelujah. She heard the sound she heard about Jesus. And immediately when she heard about Jesus, it activated her. Come on. It activated her. She was stuck for 12 years in her home. She was stuck because of the law. The law got her stuck in her home for 12 years. But when she heard what she heard, suddenly something activated her. And the activation in her spirit said to her, break loose from what the law said you can do. Break loose from what people said you can do. Break loose from what you think the medical doctors can or cannot do. Break loose from that what the culture told you you can or you cannot do. Don't let don't let the culture lead you. Break loose because the sound of Jesus will be superior above all laws and all cultures and all bondages. Come on church. We need to hear the sound again and the Bible says she heard about Jesus, and watch this, she came behind him in the crowd. Watch this. The crowd is walking in one direction. The crowd is walking towards the house of Jairus. So there was a clear direction, Jesus in the crowd. What did she do? She came from behind. She did not come from the front. She did not come up front the crowd. Why? Because she doesn't want to get into the eyes of the public. She doesn't want to make eye contact. There's many people that cannot afford to make eye contact. And the Bible says she came from behind. She basically entered the crowd like a thief. When you are stuck in your home for 12 years and you have a pulpit in your mind. Come on, how many of you know that there's a pulpit in your mind sometimes? Sometimes you cannot sleep at night. Why? Because there's a voice in your mind tormenting you. Sometimes you cannot sleep at night because your financial statement sits in your mind. Come on. Sometimes you cannot sleep at night because somebody said an ugly word to you and it sits right there. Uh, uh, There's a pulpit in all of our minds. There's even a COVID-19 pulpit in the mind of America a COVID-19 pulpit in the mind of all the nations, that all the nations has been affected. And, and here she comes. She's got that voice in her, uh, in her mind, that pulpit in her mind, and she came from behind. She came like a thief. And what does a thief do? A thief steals. So basically her intention was to steal her healing. She came from behind in the crowd, And touched his garment. We need to come back to the Jesus that is so anointed that even what he wears can be laid on you and you will get your healing. We need to go back to the days that we believe that we can lay hands on a piece of cloth and send it to a dead body and God will do the rest. 
Come on, church. Have, did Jesus change into a modern-day high-tech Jesus? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Come on. He's the same yesterday. We thank God for modern technology. But the Bible says she came from behind, and she touched his garment. Here is the miracle. Jesus never touched her. She touched Jesus. Don't wait for me to come to you. If you are desperate enough, you will not wait. If you're desperate enough, you will grab it for yourself. There's enough Jesus in the pews. You don't need to wait for the man in the pulpit. She came from behind and she touched his garment. She touched him. I pray that desperateness will come back where we will wait on no one any longer. Come on, church. And uh, she came from behind and then something powerful happened. And she said, if only I may touch his clothes. If only. Th those are words spoken. She spoke words. Who did she address the words to? She spoke to herself. She could not talk to anybody. Maybe there was an attorney in the crowd. Maybe there was a judge in the crowd. And she realized, I better stay away from the attorneys because if they see me, they're going to sue me. Because I'm breaking a law. Come on, church. Can you imagine her desperateness when she know she just broke a law by going into the crowd? So she had a duck and die for the attorney. She had a duck and die from a judge. She had a duck and die from Peter because the disciples are sometimes just as bad. And Peter was an ear cutter. And she realized and she heard about Peter. And she probably said, you better stay away from Peter. And her hope was just, if I can just get to Jesus before Peter get a hold of me. If I can just get to Jesus before the law find me in the crowd. You see, church, that's her desperateness. And sometimes you and I, we are in squeezed in. We are in narrow places where we don't know how we're going to get out of your desperateness will get you out of it. Your desperateness will make contact with Jesus before the law can even find you. And the miracle is that grace healed her before the law could find her. She said to herself, she did some self-talk. You know, many, many times I do self-talk. I motivate myself. It's like the upper room. I, I said, Lord, do you have a, last week I was in State College in a great church, a younger couple, reminds me a lot of you. And uh, I prophesied to a lot of people and incredible things happened. And suddenly a man stood up in the crowd. I ministered to his wife and the Lord really touched her deeply. And a gentle man, a great man. And he gave me a word, a, such an authentic word. And, and immediately I said, my God, it feels awesome to receive a word. Oh, my God. Now I know how blessed the people are when I prophesy to them and nobody prophesies to me. I had to get rid of my emotions here. <laughs> I don't hold it against you. Amen. But anyway, I do self-talk. David had 600 men, came from war, houses burned down, 
wife's children taken captive. And the Bible says, and the men of David wept like they had no more power to weep. Men weeping, no more power to weep. That's a strong statement. Then the men were so desperate, their wives are gone, their children are gone, the house was burned down. And the Bible says they picked up stones to stone David. So now David lost his 600 best friends. They were all warriors. What did David do? The Bible says, and David inquired of the Lord. He did self-talk. He spoke to the Lord. And when you do self-talk, that's when you get inspired by the Holy Spirit. I've done it many, many times in my life. Lay my hands on the telephone, nobody calls me. Watch my emails, nobody texts me a message. Watch my text messages, nobody has a prophecy for me. I'm telling you, when you lead something and you're the leader that run ahead, you sometimes wish somebody will just tell, pick up the phone and say, you've heard from the Lord. But then you do self-talk. And when you do self-talk with the Holy Ghost, what happened? You leave your house. You leave your hiding place of 12 years. You get out on the street and you say, I heard. And what I heard, what I heard is so good. And I'm going to go into the crowd. I don't care whether Jesus is on his way to somebody else's home because Jesus had an agenda that day. And on the agenda it says, House of Jairus. Jairus was an important man, so Jairus could get his little daughter on the agenda of Jesus because he knows exactly how to, how, the, how to operate in that world. But here was a woman on the side of the road. She had no connections. She was not well known. She was just sick and diseased and cursed. And she decided, I'm not on the agenda. Have you ever heard about a meeting that took place but you were never invited I say, have you ever heard about a meeting that took place and you would have loved to be there, but you were not invited? How did you feel? Hmm, I wonder what do they have against me? I wonder why do I not qualify? She was not invited. But she decided, I don't care. I don't wait for another invitation. I'm going to go into the crowd. I'm going to make this mine. I'm dying. I cannot do without it. Bible says she touched Jesus immediately. The fountain and her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction immediately, 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 immediately. You did not come for a credit card blessing that'll take place over 36 months. Come on. You buy a car, you pay all five years and then finally after five years, it becomes your car. No, Jesus said, I don't work like that. I work immediately. I touch you immediately. You will feel it immediately. Bible says immediately the fountain. There was a fountain of blood. It was, it was very intense. It was a fountain of blood. It was not just a scratch. It was a fountain of blood in her. Immediately she felt where? In her body. How many of you know that we need to feel Jesus in our bodies again? You know, we always say, oh, I feel it in the spirit. I sense in the spirit. Man, don't sense in the spirit. I want to feel it in my body. I want God to touch my body in such a way that I can tell you straight away right now, I've just been healed miraculously by God just now. I just felt it. And the Bible says, and Jesus immediately knowing in himself. Jesus immediately knowing in himself. That's powerful. There's two sources. She felt it. He knew. 
when, when Rock of Grace have a meeting this morning, will heaven register that you guys made a withdrawal? Jesus said himself, he said, Jesus immediately knowing himself that power had gone out. I love the word power. We need more than just blessings. We need power. Jesus is a powerhouse. Bible says Jesus felt power left. And, and I want to say to all of you, heaven is ready to register that your faith made a withdrawal. You cannot please God without faith. Faith is an act. An act. Faith is not a, th a, th a thought. Faith is an act. You have not demonstrated faith until you left the house. Come on. The moment she walked out of the door, her healing began. Get away from your little comfort zone and move into territory that is unfamiliar. And right there, God will meet you. Right there. In 2009, when God spoke to me about the upper room, I said, God said to me, you need to tell the church about the upper room and, and the spirit of prayer. And I said, Lord, uh, why don't you talk to Benny here now? Why don't you talk to the superintendent of the Assemblies of God and talk to the leader of the church of God? Don't talk to me, Lord. I have a traveling ministry. I live by faith. They're not going to listen to me. The Lord says, I spoke to you. I say, yeah, but Lord, what does an upper room look like and how will I do this? And Lord, this is huge. And I, I don't think so, Lord. But you know what? I had to leave my comfort zone, and I saw the glory of the Lord the moment I stepped out. Step out. Step out from where you are. Don't let the voice in your mind, the pulpit in your mind, dictate your life. God is going to set people free this morning from the voices in their mind that torment them all the time. Jesus immediately knowing the power had gone out. And then the disciples said to him, oh, Jesus turned around, turned around. Jesus turned around. Jesus turned around. She, she, they were all walking that way. She came from behind. Jesus walked that way. And Jesus knew the person that took it is not in front of me. I want you to see the picture. The crowd is excited. They're on their way to the house of Jairus. Suddenly, the crowd stopped because Jesus stopped. And when Jesus stopped, everybody stops. We need to be so sensitive that we know the Holy Spirit just came to a standstill right here, right now, this morning, rock of grace, right now. Stop. Jesus stopped and he turned around. Now, remember... She knew she broke the law. She was ready to leave the crowd the way she entered the crowd. She came like a thief. She was ready to leave like a thief. Jesus stopped the crowd. Now she's in trouble. Now she realized, I'm stuck in the crowd. I got my healing. I felt the power. But I want to leave. I want to get out of the crowd but Jesus is so impacted. He's so impressed. Oh, my God, my Jesus stopped the crowd when I'm in the crowd. May Jesus stop the crowd because you're in the crowd. May you be the reason why God bring 
everything to a standstill. Come on, don't wait. Don't wait for somebody else. You become the reason why God will stop at the address of your family. Come on, mothers. Come on, fathers. Somebody in the family must be the reason why God will stop and say, there's something about this address right here. I don't want to walk past this home. I want to go in right here. Come on, church. Somewhere in America, God is going to come to a standstill. And somebody's going to be the reason for that. Jesus turned around in the crowd and he said, Who touched my clothes? Who touched? He doesn't say, I just touched somebody. He doesn't say, I just touched somebody. He says, somebody touched me. Who touched? One person, not whom, who who, 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 who is, the, who is the exception in the crowd? There's an exception in the crowd. There's an outstanding person in the crowd. There's, there's desperateness in the crowd. There's somebody in the crowd who did something that the whole crowd did not do. There's only one person who did this. I want to know who that. Oh, I'm not going to go to the house. Sorry, Jairus. Sorry, Jairus. Hang on, hang on, hang on. If she dies, let her die. I will resurrect your little girl. But I want to know who is the exception that came into this crowd this morning. I want to see who is that person. Huh. Disciples said to Jesus, you see everybody throwing you and you say who touched you. Of course they know everything. That's why they had the audacity to even question the Son of God. You see everybody throwing you and, I mean, everybody already have your T-shirt and everybody got your hat. Make Jesus great again. Everybody's got your latest book. I mean, everybody's, everybody's thronging. Everybody's thronging. I mean, come on, Jesus. Everybody's thronging. You say, t somebody touch? Uh, what do you mean? What do you mean? Everybody's thronging, and, and you say, somebody touch? It's almost like, Jesus. if I was there, I would have said, shut up. <laughs> you see, normally when people say too much, it's normally a sign they know actually not much by saying much. Be careful how much you say. You sometimes reveal how little you know. You put that on, put that on Facebook. <laughs> Just put my name behind it. I don't know if I'm sales said so. <laughs> oh, everybody's thronging you, and you say somebody. <laughs> Jesus realized thronging people do not withdraw power. Church people do not withdraw power. Why did you come this morning? Did you come to hear a sermon or did you come to make a withdrawal? Did you come to do the crowd thing or did you come to do the desperate thing? Jesus said, I want to know who did this. And he looked around to see who had done this thing. Who had done this thing? Oh, I want to preach. Who had done this thing? Who had done this thing? Somebody did something. Who had done this thing? Oh, Peter, it's not you. Do something so that they will say in the history books, somebody did something.
But the woman, but the woman. So there's verse 33, but the woman, but the woman. So in verse 29 and earlier, she was a woman. And the Bible says now there, right again, but the woman. But the woman, the statistic, the unknown person, the person nobody knows about. But the woman, the statistic. Fearing and trembling. Two words. Fearing and trembling. Fear. She's healed, but she's in fear. What is the purpose of being healed in your body miraculously, but you live in fear? Trembling. Her body language tells me she feels unsafe in the crowd. She knew I broke the law. She knew the Jewish culture of the day. She knew although grace healed me, the crowd does not favor me. She knew that Jesus allowed the power to go out, but the crowd doesn't feel the same way. Fearing and trembling. Fearing and trembling tells me she looked like a thief. Remember, she feared, she trembled. Her whole body language reveal who it is. There she is. She sits there. <laughs> she stands out like a sore thumb. Fearing and trembling, crowd came to a standstill. Everybody's finding out who did this. Jesus' eyes is focused on her. And the Bible says, here she comes, fearing and trembling. She's fearing and trembling. Why? Because the pulpit in her mind, I can see in her body language, there's a pulpit in her mind. Sometimes I can see in people's body language who controls them. There's a voice that torments them because they have been in hell for 12 years. And the Bible says she came out of the crowd. She could not escape. Oh, I wish I could have escaped, but I could not escape. Jesus brought the crowd to a standstill. And the Bible says she fell down. Church, I want you to see it. She fell down. It doesn't say she knelt down, bowed down. She felt. Oh. She fell down before him. Made eye contact. And the Bible says she, she told him the whole truth. We're coming back to the days where we will tell the whole truth. We're coming back to the days where we will have eye-to-eye -eye contact, not in heaven, on earth. And we will spill all the beans. She told him the whole truth. When you stand in front of truth, please speak truth. When you look into those holy eyes, you cannot lie. You better talk the truth. I want you to see the picture. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. 
The greatest miracle is going to happen. You say, no, 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 no. The greatest miracle happened in verse 29. No, 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 no. Verse 29 is not the greatest miracle. The greatest miracle is about to happen. Come on. How many of you are here for a miracle? You say, I want to see a miracle. I want to have a miracle. The greatest miracle. Oh, there's many, many miracles coming to the church. There's a season of incredible healings come to the church. And the Bible says she fear and trembling, knowing itself, told him the whole truth. And he, now watch this, he, now it's Jesus and her. The two of them is talking. The two of them is talking. And the Bible says, and he said to her, daughter, daughter, your faith has made you well. She's on the floor. She's in the dirt. And he says, daughter, she heard with her ear that understood culture. She knew the Jewish culture believed God is angry. But now the same ear hears, daughter, daughter, oh my goodness. The, the same ear is now saying, I've never heard that word before. Normally they call me woman. I'm just a woman. I'm just a statistic. I'm just a nobody. I'm just a piece of junk. God is angry with me. Oh, you were this and you were that, and you will never amount to anything. That's all I heard. I'm just a woman. Nobody, nobody knows about me. But now I heard a different word, and the word is daughter. Daughter? Did I hear right? He calls me daughter. Oh, daughter? So daughter? Oh, then there must be a father. (laughs) If If he calls me daughter, then... Uh, who's the father? Because you cannot have a daughter without a father. Oh, oh, I'm daughter. Oh, okay, so then I belong, belong to a family. Oh, that's different. I've never heard that before. And uh, remember, she knew the culture. And the culture of those days, when a king addressed a woman... And the king wants to address the woman with passion, care, and sensitivity. In those days, when a king addresses a woman with passion, care, sensitivity, he will call her daughter. She heard, oh, he's a king. Oh, I heard something else. I heard he is the Messiah. Oh, he's the Messiah. That's the one I heard about. I heard about him. Somebody said to me, he is the king of all kings. Oh, my goodness. He called me daughter. He cares for me. He is sensitive for me. Oh, my goodness. He's got passion. Oh, my goodness. I'm on the floor. I'm trembling. I'm shaking. But I don't need to tremble anymore. I almost left like a thief. But I think I'm going to leave like a daughter. I'm now in a standing position. You call me daughter? You are my father? 
oh, oh, I heard that you said that if we've seen you, we've seen the Father. Oh, yeah. So I'm daughter. Oh, the thief in me is gone. Oh, by the way, flow of blood is gone. But there's something else that's now gone. The voice in my mind is gone. I'm not tormented anymore. That's why Jesus said, daughter, go in peace. Daughter, you almost left healed but tormented. You almost left healed, but the voice in the pulpit will torment you. I stole my healing. I took my healing. I was not supposed to get it, but I got it. I don't know, understand, but I got it now. I think, I think she stood up and miraculously, her whole dress code changed. I think God, I think she must have got a complete new outfit right there. She turned from being dressed down and negatively, and she was dressed like a queen, or maybe a princess. I think she, her whole body language changed like a dancer. And I think she walked past the attorney. You want to sue me? You've got no evidence. Because grace, it just removed the evidence. You can do me no harm. You wrote a law against me. Your law has no effect on me. Because grace healed me before your law could find me guilty. <laughs> I think she walked past Peter. That ear cutter. Come tonight, I'm going to talk to you about catch Peter. I'm going to talk to you about that guy called Peter. Horrible, irritable guy. I'm going to talk to him about him tonight. She walked past him and said, you cannot do my ears any harm. Because I overheard what you said to Jesus. Everybody's thronging you. Who touched you? I'm the one who touched him, Peter. Peter, I was dying. Peter, I had no hope. Peter, Peter, I was bankrupt. Peter, I was never on the agenda. But Peter, I could not wait. Peter. Peter, you have never been sitting in a hole for 12 years. <laughs> this morning we sang the words, we want your kingdom here. I want to show you another picture right at the end. Do I have more time? Can you sense the presence of Jesus? God, I hope my desperateness will bring you to a standstill in America. I want you to see something beautiful.
here we have Jesus in the middle of the road on his way to the house of a little girl. In the meantime, they came and they said to him, your little girl died. Here we have Jesus in the middle of the road. He was on his way to the little girl, but he turned around and he said, I cannot heal her and let this one die. I cannot do it. Jesus walking to the next generation. She's 12 years old. This woman was an adult woman. Jesus is saying to the older generation, thank you for finally taking what you need because you almost died without the touch of God. In my letter that I wrote that I will send out probably tomorrow, I said, our generation is running out of time. And before God give the baton completely to the next generation, our generation needs a touch from God. But here we have Jesus, the woman who had the issue of blood, had it for 12 years. The little girl that's dying at the point of death, she was 12 years old. And I saw Jesus standing here in the midst of two twelves. Two women. Woman speaks of the church. He's standing in between two generations. And Jesus is actually saying prophetically, if the next generation die, if the younger generation die, let them die. But I'm first going to heal the older generation. And then I will go and resurrect the next generation. Because I am the king of the kingdom. And the king of the kingdom rules. Two twelves. Come on, church. Two generations. The twelve sons of Jacob. The twelve tribes of Israel. I can preach for an hour on twelve. The twelve tribes of Israel. The kingdom have twelve gates guarded by twelve angels. <laughs> twelve speaks of government, reign, rule. Mary stayed in the temple for twelve years. Jesus was 12 years old when he started to question the scholars in the temple. 12 legions of angels, 12 apostles, 12 speaks of government kingdom, 12 is symbolic of God's spiritual kingdom. What am I saying to you this morning, church? We are about to see the establishment of God's kingdom like never before. Mr. Biden, you are the president of the America. But Mr. Biden, you can never be the king of the kingdom. Mr. Trump, you have been the previous president of this nation, but you will never be the king of the kingdom. To all the prime ministers and all the presidents in this world of all the different nations, I honor you and I salute you. But there's somebody bigger than all of you. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the king of the kingdoms. And he has a grip on both twelves. And he, oh, I prophesy to you and I decree over you. And I say here the word of the Lord that God, the king of the kingdoms, have the two twelves, the younger generation and the older generation and he will rule and he will reign and he will
will establish his rule in America for the time has come for the two twelves to be rescued. If you believe it, stand on your feet. Hallelujah. It's more than a physical healing. It's more than a pulpit in the mind. It's about the two twelves. And if the two twelves is taken care of, we are all covered. Say this after me. We are all covered in this kingdom. Can I get keyboards? Thank you. Come on, church. <laughs> There's a beautiful anointing here. There's a precious anointing here. Pray after me. Say, Lord, no longer am I just a statistic. You're not a number. You're not a statistic. You're not forgotten in a house. You're not stuck in an address. You don't need to act like a thief any longer. You don't need to come from behind. You don't need to hide. You don't need to leave. Please don't leave. Because God is willing to bring the whole crowd to a standstill just for you. You don't need to fear. You don't need to tremble. Rock of grace. You're not in a big city. You're not even in a big town. But you cannot escape the kingdom of God. And God will establish his kingdom in Kinsman, Ohio, as much as he will establish his kingdom in Dallas and New York and other big cities. If you believe this morning that you cannot slip out of the crowd because God is too quick for you. He's going to stop you before you can leave. If you believe this morning that God wants you to leave healed in your physical body, but also your mind being cleaned up. If you believe that you can leave an ultimate peace. You are not healed completely when you're healed in your physical body. Verse 29 will only give you a, a partial healing. You're not healed completely. But God says, I don't want anybody to leave this morning incomplete. I want all of you to leave this place in peace. 
Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, the one that is in the middle of the two twelves. I want you to see that picture. It's a prophetic picture. I've never heard anybody preach about it. God spoke to me, and I want you to see that picture because this picture is an end-time picture. I literally believe it, the two twelves. And both of them is healings. Both of the miracles is miraculous healings, of which one is the resurrection. Come on. It's not flu. It even includes resurrection. That's power. You cannot get more. You cannot get greater than resurrection. And I believe with my whole heart that we will see the restoration of the two twelves. I want you to see Jesus positioned in the middle of America. I want you to see him positioned between the two generations in your own home. If you're a mother and a father and you have children, you already represent two generations. And Father, I pray this morning that as I speak over this microphone, that you will release. Come on, take the hand of your, 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 your wife and your husband. And if you have a child, just take the hand of, of somebody there that is family. If you have family with you, make it a family connection. Father, I pray this morning that this church will experience the restoration of the two twelves. And that they will see Jesus standing in the midst of this. Oh, church, I cannot get away from the two twelves. I cannot get away from the two twelves. There was a desire from the younger generation, come to us, come to us, come to us. But Jesus then found a desperate voice out of the previous generation. And if nobody wants to be that voice out of the previous generation, then I would love to be that voice. But if you are in, in my age bracket, come on church, if you are older, if you're in your 50s and your 60s and your 70s, come on, I want you to say, Lord Jesus, I will not let you go. I will not let you go. You will not pass by my home. I heard too much about you. I heard too much about you. I heard too much about you. Come on, church. Father, I pray this morning that the two twelves will be healed, that the two twelves will be resurrected. I pray, God, Jesus, that not a single man or woman will leave this building as a statistic. If you've ever been hurt, if you've ever been rejected, if you've ever had a voice in your mind that torments you, run to the altar real quick. I will do a prayer over you real quick. If you cannot sleep at night and you say, I'm sick and tired of these voices in my mind tormenting me, just come quickly, come quickly. If there's something that is bothering you, just come now. Don't come after the service. Come now, come now. Don't let Jesus pass by. Come now. Get out of your house. Get out of your hiding place. Don't let anything hold you back. Don't say, well, who's going to watch me? Forget about who's going to watch you. This morning, God's going to set you free from that voice in your mind. There's a voice in your mind. Come, come, come. There's many more. I'm not going to wait much longer. I'm not going to wait much longer. You're going to get rid of that voice, that voice, that voice, that voice, that voice. God is angry at me. God is fed up with me. I have sinned. If you have sinned, tell me who have not sinned. Father, I have all these people standing here, and they all have a pulpit 
in their mind. That was her biggest struggle. How can I do this? I need to act like a thief. And I want to say to everybody that's in the altar, your days of acting like a thief is over. Did you hear that? Ma'am, your days of acting like a thief is over. I'm talking to you. There's people here that's experiencing delivering power. God is delivering people. I'm talking to you, ma'am. God is delivering you from a tormenting voice that has taken your whole life over. Forget about it. God says, I'm cutting the umbilical cord between you and the past. I set you free. You are free. 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 Come on, church. Come on. Can I get some altar workers? Do you do altar workers? Can you do altar work for me? Thank you. Altar workers, come. Come, come, come. Just lay your hands on people. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. This morning is the morning where only one pulpit will reign, and that's the pulpit of the Holy Spirit. All other voices will go. Lord, I pray this morning that those people that feel like they are separated from, from life, they are statistics. This lady here, oh my Lord, thank you, Jesus. Lay your hands, from, come to the front of her. Ma'am, I'm talking to you. In the name of Jesus, God set you free. God sets you free, man. There it goes. This is a deep-rooted thing this morning that God will, God, will, God will deliver people this morning from voices that torment them for many, many years. She's one in the name of Jesus. There you go. It's, it hurt. It hurt. There's hate involved. Yeah, but it's gone. Jesus set you free. I plead the blood of Jesus over this whole crowd. And I plead the blood over myself and I say, evil one, get out. Get out. Leave her alone. She's not your property. She's in the kingdom now. She's part of the kingdom. Yeah, that lady that you pray for, Pastor Jordan, there. I feel strong about her as well. Come on. God delivers. God delivers. God delivers. God delivers. God delivers. God delivers. You are free, ma'am. You are free from ugly words. You are free from people that said things about you. You are free from family, even parents. The Lord says, I am setting you free. I am setting you free from generations. Your family, oh, my Lord, they have done a lot of things to you. I set you free in Jesus' name. The pulpit is gone. You cannot hide anymore. Jesus found you in the crowd. Jesus found you in the crowd. Jesus found you in the crowd. Father, I pray that every man and woman here will walk out in a peace they've never held, never had for ages. Can somebody lay hand on this lady here? But come to the front. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. Woman, we're talking to you now. God's going to change you from a woman to a daughter. It's not the manager of a store talking to you. It's the king of kings teaching, talking to you with sensitivity, care, and passion. Sensitivity, care, and passion. You are too precious 
not to be called daughter. Go and lay your hands on her head. Thank you. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You are free, ma'am. You are free. It doesn't take long. You are free. No more hiding. No more hiding. Thank you, Lord. 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 How do you feel, ma'am? You feel amazing. What happened? A weight is off your shoulders. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. Go in peace. Go in peace. Come on, worship the Lord, church. Worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. You know, I don't need to lay my hands on everybody. That's why we use the altar workers. All I'm saying to you is I have spoken a word. And the word, come on. Everybody say, I can touch before he touched me. Come on. Take your one hand and say, Lord, I'm going to touch you. Listen to this, church. Listen to this. Jesus had a garment on. At the bottom, there was blue tassels. Speaks of the king. And I want to say to you, find the blue tassels in the crowd. Find the blue tassels in the crowd. That's all you need to do. You don't need to Peter. You don't need Mark, James, John. You just find the man who has the blue tassels on him. And if you find the blue tassels, you don't need me. My hand cannot heal you. If you reach out, come on. You can grab it yourself. That's the key to the whole word. The time has come that we, the, the crowds will grow and will grow into the thousands. And the time will come that the man that's speaking the word cannot lay his hands on everybody. But people will grab the miracles while they're standing in the pews. And let it begin this morning. Amen. Father, I release healing. I release deliverance over this place. And I decree this is the day of the restoration of the two twelves. Everybody say, everybody say, the older people in my family will not die one day before their time. Everybody say, the younger people in my family will be resurrected back to life. Say, old and young in my family will find Jesus standing in the middle of all of us. Give God a good praise offering, will you? Thank you. Come on, give him good praise. Give him good praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, keep on praising him, church. Keep on praising him. Everybody pray this prayer. Say, no longer will I act like a thief. But I will walk like a daughter and a son, treated by a king. Come on, church. I want you to say to 10 people, go in peace. But don't say it like you don't mean it. When Jesus said to her, go in peace, Jesus was actually saying, if you left healed, you could have left without peace. But I want you to go back to your home in peace.
peace. If they make war in your house, don't listen to the war. You walk in peace. If they don't want your peace in your house, you just walk in peace because peace will ultimately reign over the war in your house. Go in peace. Say to 10 people, go in peace. Find 10 people, count. Go in peace. Go in peace. I know you're speaking that. Can we give Pastor Andre a thank you? Can we put our hands together real quick? I want to invite you to come out tonight. And I also want to say to not just the prayer team, but every believer here, if, if you turn around and, and God gives you a prophetic word to somebody, go share it with them. Go encourage them. We believe in the kingdom and the, and the sons and the daughters and the royal priesthood. It's not just the people on stage. That's what we're big about here. So encourage, make sure you take that, go in peace, all right? If you only said three, you got seven more to go. Tell them, go in peace, and we'll see you tonight at 630.